Welcome to the Modern Cloister, where we cultivate deeper thinkers and worshipers through conversations about the Christian life, in the same spirit as the community conversations that took place during the Reformation at the Black Cloister, the former monastery and home of Martin Luther and his wife, Katharina von Bora. I'm Carissa, and I'm here with Kevin, and today we're continuing our series about the Psalms. If you joined us for our last episode, we had a brief overview of how to understand the Psalms, and today we're going to be moving into how to use the Psalms, a much more practical guide that will hopefully be beneficial in helping you develop a deeper love and appreciation for the Psalms. Before we begin, we're going to spend just a moment talking about the Psalms at a high level again and expressing their importance and their place and purpose within the history of the church. Now, if you joined us last time, you heard a little bit about this, but it's really important to start any conversation about how to use the Psalms based in their their value to the Christian community. Now, Psalms are one of the greatest examples we have of the intersection of thinking and worshiping, which is why here at the Modern Cloister, we really take them seriously. They shape our theology, they influence our worship, and they have been a foundational point within both the corporate and private lives of Christians throughout the ages. They have been used in three primary aspects of the Christian life, including singing, praying, and reading. And they've really been one of the most formative elements of the entire Christian life. And there's a quote by Martin Luther that that we both really like. Kevin, you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think it shows a little bit of what they they offer us. Yeah, sure. So essentially, um, I guess we won't quote him exactly, but he calls it a mini Bible. you can look at the book and you can get, you know, there's creation uh, there. As, as in he actually, we, we thank God, we praise God for being the creator. There's the stories of his triumph over chaos, right? And these would have been sung and prayed so everyone would know the creation story, right? And we have um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We have the promises. We have a, a psalm by Moses. So we have the, you know, was brought out of Egypt course david the temple there's there's the worship and there's of course these are all pre-christ so there is no you know it is finished there is no you have been forgiven but there is the sure belief i mean it's stronger than hope they know that god will take away their sins they don't know how yet so Mm -hmm. you know on this side of the cross we, we we know how it happened but as you read through this you know what is coming and now we know what has come in christ and so for us still, you know, so we have that side, but we're also still kind of confused. Like, how do you use the Psalms? They're, they're very weird. If, if you, we talked about this in the, in the last one, that if you come from kind of an evangelical uh, Protestant church, just kind of a looser one that doesn't have a high liturgy, you really may not have heard much of the Psalms. And um, so they weren't engaged with very much corporately. And of course, they're not engaged much corporately. They, it's harder to do them privately. And you may not be singing them, and you may not have them prayers and liturgical readings. So it really takes some effort for us to relearn as a church um, to love the Psalms, I guess. So mm-hmm. so let's jump in and talk a little bit, just quick history on some of the corporate. Obviously, they were used um, throughout Jewish life. Uh, one, one good example is the Hillel Psalms. I'm probably not saying that right. <laughs> Those are 113 to 118, and they are sung at Passover. And, uh, and read at Passover. You've, if you've seen movies where they do this, you probably have seen that, or if you've ever been part of a Passover, uh, you'll hear them read through these. And what's interesting is, um, you know, the Last Supper was a Passover meal. So Jesus and his disciples probably sang these or read these together at the Last Supper. And so it's one of the last things they did as a mm-hmm. corporate community with Christ. So obviously they're important. Mm-hmm. And of course, 118 is great. It ends with just praising God and using God. 
Um, and, and then we have an Acts right at, after Christ. The psalms being used in corporate worship, the gathering of Christian community. They, they talk about them singing psalms. I think uh, when Paul was in prison, weren't they? One time so it talks about them singing psalms and singing hymns. And of course, these would have been psalms, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. uh, we have many of the early church fathers talking about the importance of praying the psalms and reading them and singing them in services and that's why that's why they're so just ubiquitous in in liturgical churches if you've been to uh maybe uh, a methodist church that uses a higher liturgy you'll have something sung from the psalter every mm-hmm. every week you know the catholic church does a good job in most of their services where they're going to have three readings every sunday the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Psalms, it's its own category. So think of the value of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Reformation, of course, caused a huge resurgence in Bible accessibility, Bible in the common languages, reading the Bible. And, um, you know, Luther, we talked about that last time, Calvin, of course, as well, all were huge on when you read, you need to read the Psalms. And they read out um, all kinds of different reading plans, and we'll talk about those in a minute, but let's, let's briefly go into some corporate worship. Yeah, the, the impact of the Psalms on the history of the corporate worship gatherings is, is really significant, and that continues on today, but I think one of the things that, that we have noticed, and a lot of our upbringing didn't really have a high importance place on incorporating liturgical elements and things like the Psalms. So for those of you who are joining us who have come from more of those traditions, some of this is a little bit more familiar. But I think even within those conversations, there's a lot of value to to thinking about them um, more intentionally and how they're used and the history of how they're used because it does impact us today. Now, one of the more recognizable elements of any corporate worship gathering is called the call to worship. Even in, in churches that don't have a, a high liturgical element, sometimes that's still present in the actual um, language itself using the terms call to worship. But even without those, there is still a rhythm in place in many churches that points to the usage of psalms and call to worship. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I grew up in a church, again, no uh, no psalm use, but our preacher would usually start right at a sermon. He'd come up and kind of his way of welcoming and say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Right. And I had no idea that was a psalm. I yes. just thought it was one of those things, you know, like good Christian people said. Yeah. And so there's there's this feeling of of rhythms that many of us are familiar with, but we don't know where they where they came from or that they're really rooted in some of these traditions of, of starting services with a call to worship from the psalms. And there are there are several churches, ours included, who who specifically call out a call to worship portion of the service and use psalms in those places, um, and it's it's neat to know that that is really something that's been used for for centuries with, within the church as as they've gone forth. And past that, there's also a, a practice of psalm singing. And again, many of you may be familiar with this, but many of you may not be. And in fact, up until several years ago, I was not aware that this was such a, a um, a common practice in in churches today. There are there are churches that actually don't use our more contemporary hymns and worship songs. They actually focus specifically on singing the psalms themselves. Which, if you've read some psalms, which if you're listening to this, we hope that you have. When I first heard that, I thought, how in the world would you go about singing a psalm? Because they don't have the typical song structure that I'm used to. And I thought, well, that seems funny. Do you just start singing random melodies out? But there's actually a lot of intentionality placed upon how those are structured and giving churches guides for doing that. And then past that, as far as how we sing the psalms in our corporate gatherings, of course, it doesn't come as a surprise that 
many of our, our, our most beloved hymns and even ones that we're less familiar with that have been part of the church gatherings for all these years have come from verses in the Psalms. They are rooted in, in those elements. And even today, many of our, our worship songs that you may be familiar with, some of the phrasing and illustrations and some of the, the imagery and the metaphor usage all point to elements of the Psalms because they really were the church's songbook and they guided the way that the church gathered and praised God together. Along the way, there have been several resources that have been put together by different traditions and denominations. Um, two of those that, that we are, are more familiar with than others, so we'll speak to them, are the Book of Common Prayer and the Book of Common Worship that were created to provide churches with structures for how to do this. And there's actually this really neat small phrase in the beginning of the Book of Common Worship that I'm looking at that says, because of the central place of the Psalms in daily prayer, all of the psalms appointed in the lectionary are included in this volume, and they go through and, and talk about why they're putting them here and, and, say, and saying that singing the psalms can engage us in praying the psalms more readily than simply reading them. And so they actually, they, they kind of intro why that they've, they've put these resources together. And one of the, the neat things is really, this is where you get into the how to sing corporately. Um, and if you, you know, if you grew up in a tradition that used hymnals, I think one of the things that often isn't really looked at in hymnals as the first couple of pages. Even if you grew up in a Baptist church that used hymnals, there were often instructions for how to lead congregations and how to select certain psalms based on certain themes and which scriptures to read alongside them from the psalms. And so this this tradition really dates back for quite some time, and they're, they're basically just saturating our services, whether we have realized it or not which I think is a really neat part. And the reason that's so important, and we talk about this all the time as a family, we talk about this here on, you know, on the podcast, but that Psalms are really one of the biggest ways that we learn theology as Christians, as members of the church. When we come, we sing these familiar songs that are steeped in this tradition, are steeped in these, these historical and scriptural truths. They form us. You know, it, um, I, I once heard someone say that if you sing bad theology, you're going to live it because it becomes so familiar in your heart and your soul that the more you, you sing a certain lyric of a song, the more it will be what you believe. And if it's based in, in poor theology or not sufficient theology, that's, um, it, you know, your, your understanding of God and the place of, of, of your existence within the redemptive narrative will, will be not as strong as it would be otherwise. And so what we sing is critically important, which is why we, we love the psalm so much. Right. If you think about it, you probably know more worship songs, you know, by word count, certainly by verse count, however you want to measure it, than you do verses of the Bible. For for most people, just yeah. because you've sang it for years, and it just it just with tunes, it just gets in your head, and so it's it's vital that we base these things on Scripture itself, and and Psalms really give us a guide for that. And I think what's cool about uh, this book, I'm pointing, which is good when when y'all can't see me, is the the Book of Common Worship. Um, that Chris had just mentioned has a really interesting thing. It has it doesn't have any scripture in it other than the Psalms, and it gives you kind of the the daily guide. But it gives you how much to read in a day. Mm-hmm. It gives you uh, little notes for the singing, mm-hmm. which uh, Chris is going to do in a little bit. And of course, it has little notes on it, like a little asterisk or something. So for the corporate reading, so it it has all three right there. I mean, that's the importance of it. It's for corporate reading. It's for private reading. It's for private prayer and it's for singing, uh, which can be private or public. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about the the private. Uh, and this is nothing new. This is Book of Common Worship is a Presbyterian one. So we talked a couple hundred years. And of course, the Book of Common Prayer does the same thing. Um, they have the same notes. I think, I don't remember if it tells you how to sing it, but it also lists, you know, which ones to sing. 
at different, uh, sorry, which ones to read at different hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that even goes back to medieval times, the church, uh, when it was still the Catholic church, you know, for a thousand years. And the monks and the nuns had what was called the divine hours. And at one point there were seven of them. And so it's every three hours. And of course, um, Martin Luther tried to do these prayers every day. Uh, which means, you know, he could never really sleep because it just continually comes up, right? So uh, that didn't work, and, and that's why they do it in shifts. I believe some of them still do it today. You can you can go do these. But in those, uh, you know, there would be prayer, and there would be reading of the Psalms, and in some instances, they would read through the entire Psalms in a week. Yeah. Maybe not one individual monk or nun, but if you were to go to all these divine hours, you would have this. And we, and we still have something... Uh, like this today, I use an app that is based on the Book of Common Prayer that has the, um, you know, everyone calls them something different. I'm going to just keep calling them Divine Hours. Um, and it, it's it's four of them. And in the two, the midday and the evening, they have uh, the Psalms that you would sing for the day. And, of course, when you hit Psalm 19, it's got to be broken up. But for the most part, it's one to three Psalms for the midday prayer. And then for the evening prayer, it's usually two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's some longer ones. So you may only do one, but you may end up reading seven or so. And that gets you reading the entirety of the Psalms in 30 days. So you would end up, yeah, you probably miss a couple, but you, you may end up going through the Psalms 10 times in a year. And, and that's really the importance of this. And I think any uh, Bible reading plans are going to have this as well. I think we talked about this last time. The um, the Bible Project reading plan has you go through the Psalms, I guess, what, two and a third time because you hit one through 50 again. Uh, the Robert Murray Machine plan, which is pretty familiar with a lot of people and it's certainly in the Reformed tradition to have uh, go through the Psalms twice. So that's, you know, that's that private use of reading it that much, you know, more than almost anything else. And another huge part for privately is prayer. If you get any book on prayer, they're they're going to say use the Psalms, mm-hmm. and they're going to teach you how to go through the Psalms. Martin Luther wrote about how you need the Psalms, and and um, you know Tim Keller's book, which which is probably the best book on prayer, certainly contemporary one. You know has a lot of good references to Luther, the Book of Common Prayer, and he talks about praying the Psalms and using the Psalms, and and I've I talked about this briefly um, on the last one. I, I still struggle to pray. Praying is, I find it difficult. Um, that's why I like using the little Divine Hours app because mm-hmm. they also give you words to pray too. But they're they're going to go through the Psalms and, and explain it to you. And Keller has a great thing on Psalm 1. And uh, especially it's just getting into prayer life, getting into reading the Word of God as part of a pr- prayer devotional time. And last time we kind of talked about praying back you know, in kind of in your own words, a lot of people probably heard that, you know, people use the Lord's Prayer a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. you would pray through those, and then you say, you know, give us our day, our daily, like what it, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, provide for me, thank you, Lord, for providing. A lot of people recommend doing that with the Psalms. Now, they, Psalm 23 is probably the best one to do that, and that's why Mm -hmm. we picked that one for last time, but um, not all all of them are as broad as Psalm 23, and some of them are, are quite narrow, so just quickly, I'll go through a few uh, just, just parts of it, you know, um, like I was saying, Psalm 1 is the intro, it's kind of a prelude to the book of prayer. And so Keller talks about using that as you sit down to read or as you sit down to pray and just just 
just say these first two verses. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And pray that God would give you that delight, that you would enjoy reading and praying to him, and that you would be given the discipline to, to meditate day and night. And, and that's something I, I, I try to use Psalm 1 a good bit. It's, it's a good one for a lot of people to memorize. Uh, another thing I think people have issue with is coming to God in confession, especially when you're really overwhelmed with your sin. And probably the most famous psalm of confession is, is uh, you know, David after he was confronted by Nathan in Psalm 51. And I'll just read the first two here. Um, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. If you don't know how to pray to God, to ask him, just just pray that. Just read this. And again, the more you read it, the more you know you can come to God and say, just have mercy on me. Because we know of his steadfast love, we know of God's abundant mercy. This is teaching you that theology, uh-huh. as, as Chris mentioned earlier. And you know that we have been cleansed from sin because we, we know we have Christ. And so the more, again, the more you read, and then and, and we'll go into all these uh, later too as so we go through the different types of psalm, but I think the hardest thing for modern Westerners to do is, is to lament, the complaint to God, especially if you grew up the way I did. You're not really supposed to be sad or unhappy. And, yeah, <laughs> smiles all the time. Exactly, the happy face Christian, or yep. smiley face Christianity is I, I knew a pastor who called it where you're just supposed <laughs> to be like, so bad. yeah, you know, you get yourself right, you get dressed up and you come to church happy, right? That's what you do. But no, it really isn't. Go read really any psalm from like 85 to 89 and it is rough and if you're afraid of complaining incorrectly uh just just read just read it exactly um you know here's psalm 88 and and this is just it's a brutal cry out to god um lord god of my salvation i cry out day and night before you let my prayer come before you incline your ear to my cry for my soul is full of troubles my life draws near to sheol I'm counted among those who go down in the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. It only gets worse from there. He huh. only talks. like uh, There are other psalms for lament where he, he talks about you know, his voice being parched from his crying. His mm-hmm. couch is flooded with tears. We don't use sleep. We don't feel like we can come with God. But the more you read that, the more you realize why Luther said it's a mini Bible. You get the full expression to God. Yeah. And you learn to open your prayers like that or just... I mean, there have been times when I've I've been in that kind of space where I'm just lamenting to God where my life is, and I just I read that one exactly, especially 88. I come back to that mm-hmm. um, quite often, really. Yeah, when I, I think so, so it, it sounds like, and and it's funny because I I recently surveyed some people and asked, hey, who knows how to pray the Psalms? Like, if you were to say, hey, mm-hmm. would you pray this Psalm in a group setting, or if you were to pray this Psalm, do you know how to do that? And most people were like, oh, maybe, kind <laughs> of, like. In theory and in concept, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that, to some degree, there's no wrong way to do it if you're reading a psalm and you're you're sure. praying its general content. But there are some some rhythms and some practices that have been that have been helpful and set by the church along the way. Um, but to your point, at a very foundational level, it essentially incorporates reading a text, meditating on it, and then either reading it back as a prayer or putting it into your own words in that same mm-hmm. theme. It sounds like a lot of what you were talking about. And I think it's it sometimes sounds very confusing in, in the actual practic 
practicalities of it, but it really could be looked at in a sense or those three steps. Not that we're trying to give you steps, but I think that's one of yeah, the... Yeah, we can give you steps. The how-to elements of praying <laughs> the Psalms. I know. Well, we don't know what we're doing, but yeah, it's... It, it's something that, that we're learning. That's not, of course, the only way to do it. So I hesitate in being like, here mm. are the Modern Cloisters official three steps to praying the Psalms. But I think it is it, it helpful to... to to have something that at least if you're going to sit down and, for example, do this for the very first time right after you listen to this podcast, which would be fantastic. And if you choose to, please let us know because we'd love mm. to know that story for sure. Because we're we're hoping that this encourages people to engage with the Psalms more frequently. But in a sense, I, I think that's a helpful way to look at that. So yes, follow those three steps and all shall be well. Yes. Right. <laughs> exactly. We go? We're going to be prosperity gospels. Nope, here. never, now. never, uh, never, never. We're not saying it'll be perfect. <laughs> I share that because, you know, it, it, there's, there's a lot of people who, who like having takeaway steps. So in, in the effort to be a somewhat practical guide, as you were listening, I was like, it really could be boiled down to those. So kind of threw that out. Mm-hmm. Well, so. I agree. All right. So in a similar sense, so Kevin talked a lot about how to use the Psalms in private prayer time. And what I'm going to talk about now is something that I've been growing increasingly passionate about, and it's using the Psalms for private worship. Now, we talked a little bit about how the Psalms in general influence our modern-day worship songs and all of those types of things. So, of course, if you are musically inclined and enjoy singing the songs that you know, by all means, in your private lives, continue to sing them. But one of the things that I would love to encourage you and open the, the conversation about is there are so many additional ways to engage with the Psalms from a singing standpoint. They are one of the the most untapped resources for for those of us who who enjoy singing in our in our free time. And Kevin often jokes that he catches me humming and singing around the house, and I don't even know I'm doing it because it's so much of a of a habit for me and a part of of, of my makeup. And so one of the things that I have been learning a lot more about personally over the past year is what it's like to sing the Psalms privately. Now, as a songwriter, this started for me maybe about a year or so ago when I started a process called psalming, which essentially means that I would sit with a psalm and I would I would just sit down, for example, on the piano, on the guitar, and I would, I would start playing a chord or two and I would look at the text and I would just make up a melody to what was happening in the psalm and I would I would sing it all the way through it felt really awkward and clunky at first especially because some songs are not naturally as leaning toward a musical element as others and I would I would sing through it and just sing whatever came out and for some of you you're probably like that seems really weird and scary and for others of you are like oh that sounds kind of fun so wherever you are in that spectrum I encourage you to just sit with that for a second because one of the things that has come out of it for me is that from an actual songwriting perspective, once I got through the initial melody singing of just whatever came to mind, I started being able to go back and actually craft sections that would then become a chorus or a verse of a new song. And if, you know, for any of you who are following us on social media, you may have seen over the past several months that I've been sharing some of these songs that have come from this time of, of singing the songs privately and then actually writing from them to create new versions of the psalms, not in a psalm sense, but in more of a a contemporary worship song sense. And that has been deeply influential in in my private worship times. And so past that, one of the things that I think can be immediately accessible for anyone who is musically inclined or enjoys singing is to simply open your Bible and just look at the words and sing them out loud. There really isn't a wrong way in a sense to do that because it, it helps you learn the verses and the rhythms. And if there's one or two that you particularly like, sit with it for several days and just have fun with it. And and if you're creatively inclined, it it doesn't hurt to just throw out a melody here or there. 
But past that, if the thought of doing that is terrifying and you think, <laughs> I wouldn't know what kind of melody to just start singing, but you do have some musical inclination, one of the resources that you can turn to is also something that I've been leaning into more and researching some, and it's it's how to sing the Psalms in more of the historical way that the church has sung them, which is, it's called different things, but the, the, the term that I would, I would most, I think, point to would be metrically singing the Psalms, which means that they were put to to music in a sense, but it's more designed for the church to have a, t- a tone that a psalm is recited on with a couple extra notes for each line. And as Kevin mentioned earlier, in, in the Book of Common Worship, for example, there are different tones that are given for different styles and, and themes. So there's there's tones and different melody lines that can be placed for more of a praise song versus a, a song of reverence versus a song of lament. And those tones are given, and you can actually go through and and see where breakdowns happen. So you would sing, say, for example, these eight lines or eight words of this first line and then switch to this piece of the melody. And when I say melody, they're, they're very short, and so it's not like this, you know, enormous um, symphony's worth of melody lines. But these were created for the church to essentially lead congregations. So when you first look at a, a, a book like this, it can often be a little intimidating because it, It'll show here's here's a line that the cantor or the choir would sing, and here's a response from the congregation. But they also give some explanations of how to do them individually if you're on your own or if you're singing it as a large group. And so for the fun of doing some live examples, I've actually pulled out two examples that I'm going to go through. And I'm going to sing these live right now on the podcast Let's do it. And, and show you a little bit of what I mean. After we recorded the entire episode, we decided that it would be a little more fun if I actually sat down at the piano and used that to help show what it's like to sing the Psalms. I'm going to walk us through two examples. The first is going to come from the Book of Common Worship, and the second is going to come from a volume of Singing the Psalms put together by Martin Luther. For the first one, this is This is one of the morning psalms or morning hymns that's part of the Book of Common Worship. And the first thing I'm going to do is play you the actual tone that is used for this psalm. So there's two different options under the praise category that this one is assigned to. And I'm going to be doing this for Psalm 95. So first, this is what the tone would be. So essentially what you do is you take that tone and you apply it to the entirety of the psalm. Now sometimes in in the course of a corporate worship service, you would sing a verse or two followed by a refrain that the congregation would sing, or you would sing the entire psalm to that tone and then have the refrain that accompanies it at the very end. I'm gonna go ahead and show you the second example where I'm gonna sing through the entire psalm in that tone and then I'm gonna end with the refrain, which would be sung. So here we go. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a shout to the Lord with 
and then we sing the refrain. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. So that's the first example. And then the second one is going to come from a book that Martin Luther put together with his own series of tones that he provided for the Psalms. And we're going to walk through the tone again first and then go through what this looks like in practice for Psalm 100. So the tone that I'm going to pick for this one is going to go like this. So then turned into application, that would go like this for Psalm 100. for each type of psalm, he encouraged us to use the Gloria Patri at the end, which would then end with a refrain that says this. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the All right, so there you have it. Two examples of what it could look like to sing the Psalms. Yeah, I'm glad you went with 100. That was one, um, I think is another good one to, to pray. And I think that's a good one to, to memorize. It's only four verses, I believe. And I think that's one, if you, kind of like Lamentation Confession, it feels strange to praise God. So mm -hmm. in your personal and devotional, here's just four quick, really beautiful lyrics um, and sometimes it can get you pumped up, like if you if you pray those uh, before church. And I think it's a good thing to do uh, if you do a family devotional. Um, but that's one of the ones we've identified to kind of have our daughter learn. Uh, we, we do a family devotional on Sunday evenings uh, where we, we read some scripture and we sing some hymns. And our daughter's been singing some songs that she's learned at church mm -hmm. and she likes to do a little solo every Sunday, which is she nice, does, yes. but uh, I don't know where she gets that from. And, uh, and we've thrown some different things and we're still trying to figure out what we're doing, doing some of the catechism and, and of course she knows the Lord's Prayer, Apostles' Creed, but really digging into some of the Psalms are good. And, um, 
yeah, maybe we'll sing. Maybe we'll all sing together. <laughs> maybe, Psalm, maybe, Psalm 100. Maybe we'll do it since we just did it for this. Yes, of course. <laughs> so I, I think that leads us to the, the broader question of, of why is this important? I mean, we, we talked a little bit about what the Psalms are in the beginning, but then how to use them is really important because that's really the next stepping point for most of us is, okay, so we understand they're important, but how do we use them? So hopefully these examples were helpful, but 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 why at a, at a high level is this important for us to be thinking about? Yeah, I think generally, again, for, for our audience and, and, and people like us, it's something that's that's been lost. We've lost this devotional aspect. Uh, we've lost this corporate aspect. And, you know, as we've tried to show through about how, how to how to use them in God's grace and providence, he gave us this this kind of random little book mm-hmm. uh, that teaches you to pray, sing, read i mean you can do all three of these i will never sing these privately because i'm just not gonna sit in my room and sing out loud a lot of people are gonna say i will never sit down and read the entire psalm in 30 days but they may love the idea of singing and it's incredible that god has given us such rich uh, theology and history and just emotional connection to him and understanding who god is and given it in ways that whether you in joy praying and, and you can pray through them well whether you can sing them or you can read them uh-huh. and if you make if you try to make this part of your life it you are going to grow in your understanding of god uh-huh. i don't think there's a better book for doctrine of god than doing this with psalms yeah and hopefully kind of what we've done here can help you uh just just go you know look at psalm reading plans look mm-hmm. at how to pray the psalms you can search those online or just keep listening to Chris to sing these and learn, <laughs> learn to sing them. But no, it, it, you you can yeah. pick up any anybody can pick up one of those three or two of those three. Or, or if you're really a good Christian, you'll do all three. Of right? course, yes. <laughs> well, and I, I think on that note, you know, if if something in here really sparks your interest and in, in, you know, not that we know how to do all of these wonderfully because we're learning more and more about this as as we study them and spend more time on them. But if you are interested in in learning how to pray them more, or especially if you're interested in learning how to sing them, I know both of us would, would love it. You know, if you want to connect with us and share some thoughts, um, mm-hmm. or even if there's enough interest out there and some people who are like, yes, I want to learn how to sing these Psalms in this new way. Um, let us know because perhaps we could figure out a way to support you even mm-hmm. outside of this podcast in doing that. And that's our hope that, that this podcast actually is not just a podcast on the road, that it actually in- encourages community out in real life um, and, you know, doing some of these things and living this out together. So please let us know if, if that sparks a particular interest in you. With that, I think we're going to go ahead and close our episode for the day. We're so glad that you joined us. We hope this was helpful. If you enjoyed it, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the Modern Cloister podcast. Uh, two quick things I'll point out about the benefits of doing that. The first is the benefit that you get from subscribing. It allows you to get the episodes as soon as they are out. You will get them straight to your phone or wherever you subscribe, so you don't have to wait for them to actually populate in all of the stores. Um, but then rating and reviewing actually helps us in all our organic reach. So the more ratings and reviews that we get, the higher the chances that people who are browsing around potential podcasts in this category will see us and connect with us and will help us be able to continue um, building off of what we're doing. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And also connect with us on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Carissa Turner and my music online at carissaturner.com. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Kevin Turner and I also just got on the gram, so I'm still trying to figure that out because it doesn't make any sense. But you can find me at Kevin Reviews Books, 
where I discuss woodworking and whittling. <laughs> uh, also, uh, MondayMorningTheologian.com. You can find book reviews, and I'm hoping to start a series on reading the Bible, studying the Bible here soon. So yep. we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. We'll see you next time.